What is up today's today crew? I hope y'all are having a phenomenal, phenomenal day. My name is Colton Trout. I am the founder and CEO of the Today's Today movement, here to help you crush your goals on a more consistent basis by helping you crush them on a daily basis. If you like the sound of that, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Make sure to also screenshot that you're watching this, post it up on your social media, and tag me at TTDTLF. It's also in the description box if you need it. So jumping into today's podcast, I have got Paola with us. She is a design and branding consultant. So Paola, why don't you go on and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks Colton. Um, so I love designing innovative solutions and marketing strategies for brands, products, and people. So my background started in architecture um, probably like seven years ago. And from there, I've done anything and everything besides architecture. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> that's always been that's been a pretty fun journey and I've learned a lot in not only what the market really wanted um, but what I wanted to give back to it so not necessarily being the best and the biggest but exactly where I wanted to be at every point in my life okay awesome so would you say that instead of your focus was more on being kind of like more mission driven or more purpose driven Yes, absolutely. I think that the thing that has always attracted me to branding um, and sort of that aspect of design is the human experience mm -hmm. component. So it's always been about either helping people find their voice or helping them communicate their voice, whether that's visually or verbally or, you know, just within the content that they share as well. Okay. That, yeah, that, no, it's, that's totally awesome. And I think one of the kind of key aspects that people have to have when they're doing that or they're working towards that goal is having a growth mindset. Um, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So this is something that I struggled with so much when I was starting. Um, architecture was a very competitive field, especially in school. Um, I think it's rated one of the unhappiest um, majors in universities. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Um, oh, no. <laughs> and as fun and as challenging as that was, hmm. that did leave me in a place to feel like if I wasn't doing exactly that, that I was somehow failing myself. Yeah. Um, you know, like you put studio hours in, you work all night, all week, all semester, you don't really get much of a life. Yeah. Uh, and then the second that you start to diverge from that, it starts to feel like, well, what is all this for? Yeah. Um, and so that, Growth mindset was something that probably after I graduated, I really started to allow myself to have. Um, and I say allow only because it wasn't something that I was aware that I wasn't doing. Mm -hmm. um, with that, like, you know, even just reading a book that wasn't about architecture felt like I was, you know, not giving myself. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, my dog. Yeah. You're totally fine. <laughs> My dog is looking at me currently like, um, what are you doing? You look like you're talking to yourself. <laughs> That's exactly what she's doing. I think she's getting ready to go walk. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that growth mindset was something that I really struggled with, especially while I was doing my studies. Um, I felt like everything that I wanted to do had to somehow tie back to architecture. So I really limited myself in what I wanted to do. Um, like I knew that sustainability and the ecological aspect of architecture, something I was really passionate about. So I just ran away to the rainforest for 
about a month and a half um, mm -hmm. and just played with trees. <laughs> with my plant fanatic way of being like, this is kind of architecture, it works. <laughs> and it took so long after, you know, small steps like that, but after graduating to just say, okay, well, what if I just do graphic design and it's okay? Yeah. Um, and even while I was in school, I was working through it the entire way. I um, worked as a, just a designer and a sketch artist for a jewelry brand that ended yeah. up growing into, um, I was the design director of that same brand by the time that I was finishing school. And the entire time I kept convincing myself, this will tie back to architecture somehow. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like no matter what I did, yeah. I had to justify that I could do it and that it was working up to something else. Um, yeah. And then one day I just kind of snapped. Like honestly, like I went through a really like dark point where I felt like I wasn't achieving any of my goals. Like I wasn't growing anywhere. Like I was sort of like limiting myself. Like I wasn't, um, I wasn't feeling the happiness that I saw my peers going through while pursuing architecture. Yeah. And I didn't feel that same attachment to it. So I think um, it took a really low point for me to just snap out of it and say, you know, it's okay because I've been able to take all of the skills that I've learned in that very specific field and apply them however yeah. I wanted. Um, yeah. And that was like kind of a revelation, but um, I won't take the full credit for it myself. <laughs> the, <laughs> the real inspiration was honestly, um, my roommate at the time had the most generic you know, my roommate, best friend for now, for life, whatever. Um, <laughs> but she had the most generic, like, career path. She was just communications. Yeah. Like, everybody did communications around me. Um, mm -hmm. But she was always the hardworking person. She did, like, three internships at once. She was doing, like, anything and everything. And when she was so well-rounded and she had so many skills because she just applied them in any way and every way that she possibly could. Yeah. And that sort of snapped me out of it. Like I was watching so many people graduate with communications, having no idea what they wanted. And then <laughs> this shining example of, you know, someone who built up skills because she knew that she just wanted to build up skills. And that was it. She didn't have a reason. She didn't know yeah. exactly what she wanted to do. Um, and I was like, oh my God, you idiot. Yeah. What have you been doing this entire time? I've been like denying myself the growth mindset of being able to say, I'm doing this because it's just going to help me grow, whether that's yeah. in understanding someone else's perspective or even being able to try that and understand my own perspective on how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Do you think with that growth mindset, it may have developed a little bit sooner if there was more of an awareness of that growth mindset? Cause like, I know for me, like when I'm working with clients or I'm working even with potential clients and I'm trying to really help them understand the growth mindset um, and like you kind of said, it's like, you just, you just didn't have it. And then you were kind of like, oh, and then you kind of found it. There are still so many people that don't realize that they don't have it. Like they think that they have it, but they don't actually have like a true growth mindset. Like, do you think Absolutely. awareness of what like a growth mindset is like allowed you to kind of like open that up a little bit more? Or do you think that would have even helped you, um, develop it a little bit sooner? Oh, absolutely. Because I think um, I was always learning. I was always learning something new. Yeah. But I was limiting myself to that. Because I, in my mind at that point, um, you know, at 2021, 20, mm -hmm. I 
absolutely believed that I was constantly growing. And yeah. I was in a lot of ways, but I didn't really have a growth mindset. And if you had probably asked me then if I did, I would have answered absolutely yes. Yeah. So I was convinced that I was, but I wasn't yeah. really understanding it. So I think that awareness has a lot to do with how you continue to approach it and how you even look at growth, um, especially internally when, you know, imposter syndrome becomes very real as soon yes. as, you know, you get out to the world. Yes. <laughs> no, most definitely. Awesome. Um, so with your growth mindset, I think you had mentioned earlier, it's like that growth mindset allowed you to find some focus and stability. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first sort of fear that people jump into, um, with, and especially designers when mm -hmm. trying to do anything freelance is like, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to make sure that I, you know, can do something consistently enough to get paid for it? Yeah. And that's always like this, this scary fear. But as soon as I stopped constraining myself and just kept learning, um, I was felt like internal stability, like, okay, now I'm not reeling myself back every time I diverge from my path a little bit. I'm just yeah. walking that path. Um, that's, that's a form of stability that I think, you know, no kind of job can really give you mm -hmm. as long as you're moving forward. So even if, you know, rent is late this month and things are tight, I at least have a goal and have a path that I know I can keep moving forward on yeah. and readjust. Um, that kind of stability really helped in that kind of focus. I think mm -hmm. being able to say, right now I'm focused on this. And if it's not my long-term goal, that's okay. I know it helps my long-term goal by doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. It's, it's like the, you're climbing up a set of stairs and you're taking one step and it's like, I haven't reached the top of the stairs yet, but this step is getting me one step closer. Exactly. And I think it's really easy to um, second guess and I think lose focus on that. Oh, and then sure. when you lose focus, you lose stability. And yeah. the biggest thing that I learned in being a generalist or growing, you know, my design expertise was you are what you say you are. Yeah. So if I was like, I kind of want to do graphic design, then people would never take me seriously. They'd be like, yeah. okay, cool. Then maybe you can do some free work for experience. Yep. Versus if I was just like, hey, I'm a graphic designer and branding expert. Okay, yeah. wow. Now they view my work differently. They view me differently. Um, the conversation goes completely differently. And that title has changed a million times over for me. Um, like my most, I guess, recent impactful expertise is marketing. So yeah. um, right now I'm the chief marketing officer for Paradigm and I absolutely love it because I get to do everything that I love in branding and marketing. Um, on a much larger scale with a team. Yeah. No, that's, that's totally awesome. And I think it's really important too, because like we were talking about this focus and, and we're talking about how you are who you say you are uh, and then losing focus. Because it's really easy for entrepreneurs to lose focus, especially losing focus in the whole, I'm so busy um, kind of mindset or I'm too busy to do X, Y, Z or they're just doing a million different things, but none of those things are really taking those steps. They're just all kind of busy work. And I think it's really important and, and, you know, feel free to chime in on this as well, is to remind yourself who you are 
on a daily basis. Like not just telling the world who you are, but telling yourself who you are as well and really building that character of who you're trying to become. So one of the things like I work with my clients on is developing the character, right? So like if I wanna be somebody who's a successful business coach, I need to develop the character and who a successful business coach is and who I want them to be and who I wanna be in that role. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that really touching on, like you're reminding yourself, one of the things that I try to do daily, which some days are better than others, um, <laughs> to pull myself out of that busy work Yeah, is just, I wake up and say, say today I want to do this so that this week I can do that so that by the end of this year, yeah. I can work on being there. Yeah, it's um, casting yeah. that vision. That's actually exactly. that, that's step one of the, the stuff that I coach people on. So yeah. I created a couple of courses because I don't think I've ever really talked about this on the podcast. I created a couple of courses. One of them is the 10 steps to mastering your daily activity. It's specific um, to solo entrepreneurs or people with really small teams that are really working to like master their daily activity to really crush their goals on the daily basis. And the first thing that I have people do is to, to cast that vision. So it looks so Similar to like what you just said, how you were saying is like, I'm going to do this today because it's going to matter in this week and then in this month and which is going to allow me to do this, this and this, right? So it's casting that grander vision because that's where I think a lot of passion comes from. A lot of energy and momentum and motivation comes from is seeing that big picture on where you're going and that the small steps that you're taking are actually getting you there. Yeah, I think um, I, I actually recently helped someone put together a, a coaching thing for their own their own course. Um, it was very yeah. specific. It was like specifically on furniture flipping. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, yeah, like super hyper specific. But the one question that I would repeatedly ask her clients and anybody that I worked with was if money wasn't a factor, where would you be? Yeah. And that sounds like the easiest question because everyone can just jump to like, you know, I'd be sitting on a beach relaxing. Yeah. But um, that's really not the answer. And it's actually uh. a very hard question for a lot of people to answer because they've been thinking so short term and yep. usually the answer will be like oh you know i'd pay off my house and then you know um then that would be settled and that would be easier yeah. you know it's it tends to be limiting but um what that question is really meant to make you think about is like what is your passion like what is the thing that would make you happiest um yeah. outside of just relaxing and doing nothing because most people aren't content there and nope. you probably won't it's especially if you have like an entrepreneur mindset and you, you know, been doing that for a while. Yeah. That to me illustrates that you're not going to be happy just holding still. So it's really important to take the time and be like, where would I be? What would I be doing? Yeah. Well, it's really kind of funny because there are so many people that get in the kind of mindset is like, okay, well, once I retire, like I'll be able to go do all the things that I really wanted to do. And that's why everybody's working 50, 60 years um, or 40, 50 years in order to save up enough money to go do what they want to go do because they kind of have that mindset of like, well, I'll just go do it then, right? Or I'll go travel then and then I'll get to it then. I'll do it later. Like right now, I'm just working to go figure that out later because I'll ask a, that same exact question. It's like, um, and the response that I get a lot of time is that like one year plan or two year plan or maybe even a five year plan. But I'm like, no, 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 no. Big picture. What, what, what do you want to happen? Exactly. Like it, essentially it's just like, what, what legacy do you want to leave behind? In, yeah. And I say legacy in, in the sense of like, 
it doesn't have to be this big, vast thing. Um, and I think the most compelling answer that I've ever heard after probably an hour long conversation on that just one question yeah. <laughs> is I just want to be able to do good. Like mm -hmm. I just want to live every day with the flexibility to just be purposeful. Yeah. And I think that that's so compelling because that can mean so many different things, but ultimately what that financial freedom to that person meant was being able to just move wherever they felt drawn to. And I think yeah. that's something that, like you said, we don't allow ourselves to do on a daily basis because we're always working towards a bigger picture that we yeah. very rarely stop and think about what is that big picture. Yeah. Or what does that picture mean? Like what's, exactly. what's the reasoning behind it? Like for me and like the whole today's today mission, it's to liberate greatness in every way possible. So like one of the goals for this today's today mission is to have a nonprofit organization that helps entrepreneurs like gain the funding and the coaching to go really build their, their goals and the businesses that they want to have. But that's liberating greatness. And then I have my coaching program where I coach people to do that. And that's liberating greatness. And then I have the podcast and that's liberating greatness within the people that are listening, right? Because we have amazing conversations with people like you that really bring some amazing insight into the entrepreneurship world. So, but the, like that looks totally different because I could also go, you know, work at a coffee shop and I could be liberating greatness because I'm giving somebody a cup of coffee so they can go, go to work and they can go do their job. Right. So it can look totally different in many, many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's actually, it sounds really similar to a nonprofit that I'm currently in the stages of starting, which is the innovation Alliance. Um, except we're, yeah, focus on entrepreneurs and startups in the same way and just providing the resources or providing yeah. the partnerships that start the resources. Yeah. Um, and that is just about, it's really about human centeredness and allowing people to, I guess, like work with that mission and make social change on a larger scale without yeah. having to feel so limited by it. So I love, I love that liberating greatness mission. I think feel really connected to it as well. Yes. Awesome. Um, okay. So one thing I want to make sure that we do talk about as well is, and we kind of talked about this is challenges and constraints. Cause you had kind of talked about how at school you really thrived with some of the constraints that they put on to you. And then you're the type of person that when somebody like challenges you, it's like, Oh, it's game on, like, watch me do it. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs can really resonate with that. So why don't you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, especially when I was younger, I, I was always like a rule follower. I always, you know, excelled at school, did well, followed the rules, went above and beyond. Yeah. Um, and, kind of felt stuck by that just because um, I was, you know, I'm a first generation immigrant. So I just always felt like I had to be on my toes about everything. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and it was honestly like feeling liberated by citizenship allowed me to actually feel like, okay, I do belong here. Yeah. Um, oops, sorry. And, okay. and then by the time that I got to sort of late high school, I started pushing boundaries and, mm. Um, that's when I really got into art and every time that there would be a project assigned, I would just be like, okay, what is the most off kilter way that I could do this while still technically fitting the constraints? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of defined my probably entire educational career from then mm -hmm. on out was it became like a self challenge. Um, yeah. 
too good at school when I was younger that I got bored with it. I didn't feel like I was learning. I just felt like I was repeating and regurgitating. Yep. Um, so especially in design, which is what led me towards that was, okay, how can I work within these really tight constraints and how can I even tighten them more myself? So that's something that I would do within projects. Um, so if the, you know, the project was to build a paper wearable where you could use, you know, one type of paper or, you know, a couple of binding materials, I would say, okay, well, I'm going to use one type of paper and no binding material or just my two materials. I would always add an yeah. extra thing to keep me motivated yeah, um, and to keep me thinking. So that was, it was really just that it was just a tool to keep me moving forward mm -hmm. and stopping me from defaulting to the technically correct way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's something that I struggled with a lot when I was younger and now like thrive in. Um, and by the time that I got to junior and senior year, you would get these projects that would be so open-ended that you would sort of, you'd see the panic in the room's face when it's just <laughs> like, no, just make a thing. Yeah. Make a thing and justify it to us. Yeah. Um, and you just see so many people panicking because they're so used to having, you know, just rules having yeah. constraints given to them. And I would just be like, oh my God, yes. Okay, so how can I constrain myself? And by that point yeah. I had given myself the ability to self-challenge. And I think yeah. that's really what I think is important in thriving in constraints is that you can give yourself the ability to self-challenge rather yeah. than saying, I'm gonna do the easiest thing here. Well, especially as entrepreneurs, because we are our own bosses. We don't report to anybody other than our clients. And so I think it's really important for people to understand that like they need to also place those challenges in their lives and in their business in order to challenge themselves in order to move forward. Because if you're not challenging yourself or you're not facing challenges in general, one, you're probably not growing. And two, that means that if you're not growing, your business is dying. Exactly. I'll, I'll say this all the time. People are like, no, I'm really happy with where I'm at. Everything is going great. Everything's super consistent. Um, I don't want to change anything. I'm like, well, then your business is dying. Because with every level of business that we have, it requires a new way of thinking. It requires a new strategy, um, especially in the business of scaling up businesses or growing businesses on a faster timetable. Like it's always consistently asking like questions of, okay, we're growing. What new mindset do we need to have? What new perspective do we need to have in this? What new game plan um, structure floor plan do we need to have for this? So I think placing those challenges, especially for businesses that don't scale up super quickly or are in the zone of like getting comfortable, it's really, really crucial in order to actually force momentum forward versus allowing it to rescind backwards. Yeah, absolutely. I think you touched on a really important point that's hard for people to hear is if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. Um, and growing doesn't like, you know, I think a lot of people misinterpret that with, if you're not getting bigger, you yeah. don't have to get bigger. If you no. want to stay a small company, if you want to stay, you know, just a family thing, you, yeah. can, but you still have to keep moving forward. You still have to think about the future. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's honestly why retail is dead or yeah. is dying. And that's now why the digital, a completely digital experience is also suffering because yeah. people who started in one or the other didn't think about moving, um, or being flexible in that. And I yeah. think, yeah, like now just being able to look forward and say, okay, this is where we are now and this is really working. 
But in five years, I see this happening. I see the market changing. I see people yeah. going into something else or even just being able to say like, let's try something else. Um, how will that work? I absolutely love that. And I think that's a really hard thing to communicate. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. No. But you can always do something better. No, for sure. And I think that comes down to awareness. Because like I've talked with some people that, I mean, they will just swear to me that their business is absolutely perfect. Nothing is wrong with their business. They don't need any growth. They're not, um, they're growing or whatever. And then it's just, it's kind of like comes back to like an awareness. Like if you think everything in your business is super perfect or that it's going to continue to be super perfect, like you need to be, I don't think you're super aware of what's going on in your business. Because like you said, there is always something that we can get better at. It's always something that we can grow at. Not necessarily like growing bigger, because like you said, there are people that once they reach a certain level, like they just want to stay at that certain level because that's where they're comfortable at. That allows the lifestyle that they want to have. That allows them to reach their goals that they've set for themselves. And they don't have the super big goal of like, I want to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like not everybody has that goal. So, but I think it's really important for even those people to really make sure that they're aware of every aspect of their business that does need growth. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that ties back into the, um, the personal growth mindset that we discussed. Yeah. Um, cause I think that the, the easiest way for me to justify it to myself and remind myself to keep growing and learning is even if I feel like I know everything that I could possibly know right now, yeah, that changes tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. there's always going to be something else. And if I stop growing or stop myself from learning more in a week's time, now I'm a week behind in a year's time. I'm now a year behind. Um, even that's just, that's saying if I absolutely knew everything, which is impossible. Yeah, yeah we don't. <laughs> exactly. We're not perfect. <laughs> exactly. But no matter what, there's always going to be more things to learn, discover and grow. Yeah. And stopping yourself from pursuing that mindset is just going to put you behind to where you ultimately want to or need to be um you know there's always going to be more growth and more things to learn but yeah. don't put yourself a day behind because today you felt like you knew everything yeah um, because the next person is going to be at the same level you were yesterday but the next day they're they've learned something new yeah now you're behind yep yeah well i think it too it comes down to even the level of like being humble and understanding that you don't know everything and that's totally okay. Yeah. But it's absolutely. like, it's that, but it goes back to and ties back to that growth mindset is like, even though you don't know everything, like, and it's okay, like, you still need to be growing and you still need to be learning. But it takes first you being humble enough to admit, I don't know everything. Like, I'll be the first one to admit, I don't know everything. I'm an expert in what I do, but I still don't know everything in the field that I'm in. Like, I'm working on that, but I will never know everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the other fun little, like, fact or quip that keeps me going, especially when I'm pursuing something that I know nothing about, yeah, is it only takes a half an hour of learning, reading a day um, to be an expert in something in seven years. Like it yeah. seems like a long time, but it's really not. That's such a small amount to dedicate to something that people spend decades learning. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like, it's so incredible sort of the, the capacity of the human mind and even more incredible how much we limit ourselves by, yeah. like you said. So I think there, there's two sides. Like it's, it's about being humble enough to know you need to know more, mm -hmm. but, um, 
also being confident enough to saying you're smart enough to pursue knowing more about it. Yes. And I think yeah, that's absolutely that's a real that's a really big struggle with um, also comes down to humility in conversations. Sort of, you'll hear either people do one of two things: um, either just start talking, like you know, loudly or assertively about something yeah. that they don't really know about, and kind of make an ass out of themselves Um, (laughs) (laughs) or just bow out completely Mm -hmm. and just like feel like they don't get to be a part of that conversation because they don't know a lot about it. Um, And the one thing that I I think more conversations could draw value from is just saying, Hey, I don't know a lot about this, but from what you're saying, this might be how I feel. And then asking questions. I feel like that's something that people are really afraid to do is just saying, I don't know let me learn right here and right now what I can. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. No, most definitely. It's one of those things. Like I think the best coaches and the best people that are, that, that have that growth mindset ask way more questions than they make statements. Exactly. It's really about learning is really about purposeful listening. Yeah. And when I say, yeah, yeah, exactly. When I say purposeful, it's like, you know, knowing, what you want from it, knowing your purpose in listening. And I feel like that can get a little bit muddied where um, people are like, oh, I'm learning so that I can sell to them or I'm learning or I'm listening so that I can, you know, they'll have sort of an ulterior motive. Um, and I think that's different than a purpose. So yeah. purpose is just for you, like internally, mm-hmm. how is this going to help you grow by listening and understanding that purpose every single time. Yeah. Um, and well- yeah, I think like purpose, like purposeful listening to just digest something is different than um, purposeful listening out of curiosity to ask questions. Those are yeah. two different types of listening. And I think being able to understand that for yourself in every conversation opens you up to actually processing and learning a lot more with every conversation, even if it's something that you didn't anticipate being a very like moving or growing conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's too kind of going into conversations with expectations. Like you were kind of saying, like having the purpose of coming into it to learn something is really crucial, um, but not having the expectations of like, oh, okay, I'm going to come into it, I'm going to learn something, and then I'm going to be able to sell them, like you had kind of mentioned. So like one of the things like I've really been working on, especially lately, is giving up all expectations of anything and everything because we always go into conversations we always go into relationships we always go into friendships into businesses into whatever it is with expectations of a certain way that it's going to go and then we sometimes get really disappointed if they don't meet those expectations or we're super happy when they do meet those expectations but i think having those expectations in general allows it to lose a sense of opportunity to actually go further than you ever expected it to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, so one of my character flaws that I'm working on and feel like I've made a lot of progress in the last years, it, um, is, especially when I was starting in design, I was pretty pretentious. So (laughs) that was sort of like a huge downfall in my personality. And while I considered myself to be a good listener, exactly what you're saying, like going into any conversation or any meeting or relationship with like, you know, a notion of how I wanted it to go. Yeah. Was a lot of lost opportunity. Yeah. Um, So that put me in a place where if I didn't see you on the same 
level as me. I didn't take you as seriously and therefore I lost everything that you had to offer that yeah. I could learn from. Even if it was like something totally off kilter that would have, you know, sparked an amazing thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then that, that level of humility in just dropping my own like, you know, notions and, you know, cockiness sometimes Yeah, brought in so much more learning and strengthened a lot of relationships that probably would have never worked previously. Um, being able to, you know, talk to a mechanic about design. Yeah. Like you'd be so surprised, like, you know, how many different minds work in just different words speaking the same language. Yeah. If that makes a lot of sense. No, no, it really does. And it's, it's honestly so cool um, because you can have conversations with people that you would never expect to learn like a life lesson from, right? And then they teach you one of the most important life lessons that you've ever heard, but you never expected it to come from that person. It's like the saying, it's like treat the janitor with the same respect as the CEO. Because in all honesty, yeah, the CEO can teach you a lot, but so can that janitor. That janitor may even be able to teach you a little bit more than the CEO. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it came to um, being drawn into human-centered design, it really became listening to everybody Um, because there was, you know, especially when you're talking to designers, we all tend to sort of fall into the same language archetypes, fall into (laughs) the same, you know, thought processes and design methods that we've learned over and over again. And um, at least for me, and I feel like for a lot of other designers as well, just talking to somebody who has no idea what design thinking is or what all those terms you're using and forcing yourself to have to explain it, Mm -hmm. really explain it in layman's terms, forces yourself to like reconsider, is this even working? Yeah. Uh, If I can't explain it, do I even understand it? Yep. And just having them go through that process with such a different perspective or any part of the process. Um, but then also bringing their own thoughts and processes just, I feel like has evolved the way that a project goes. Um, my processes in general go and the Mm -hmm. flexibility that I have in that. Yeah. Uh, And I think the biggest thing is, especially when you have buzzwords going around, like, um, like design thinking. And now I really feel like UX, UI, like, what the hell does that mean? Like everybody uses it. And <laughs> I feel like it's drifted so far away from what it was originally meant. Yeah. To. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like every other job posting is like UX UI and you're just like, no, that's a web developer. And I understand that kind of crossover, but you want, yeah. it's not the same thing. Exactly. It's not the yeah. same. Yep. Yep. Well, it's like when, um, and this is just like a misconception that I have. So I'm an entrepreneurial change management business coach. A lot of people will look at that. And so when I'm talking about like how I help people develop in their own lives and in their business lives in order to grow and scale up their business, they're like, oh, you're a life coach. And I'm like, no, that is not the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's that, but like life coaches right now, like are super hot. Mindset coaches right now are super hot. Like everybody is wanting to be a mindset coach or everybody's wanting to be a life coach or have a life coach or have a mindset coach. And which is phenomenal. Those coaches are phenomenal, but that's not the type of coach I am. So yeah, yeah. so I totally understand that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's really funny how um, to see things trend, mm-hmm. see things trend that have been around and sort of see the, the public's conception of them or like you know thoughts on them change as well like you know 
in the early 2000s, like life coach, mind coach was very like, I feel like perceived and I could be wrong on this perceived very culty or very. Oh, like, no, it definitely was. It like, definitely was. And now it's like, it's normal. It's cool. Like everybody's yeah. got a life coach. Everyone's it's it's the hip coach. thing to do right now. It is literally exactly. the hip thing to do is to have a life coach or a mindset coach. Or but be one. Like you said, years ago. Oh yeah. Or be one. So, and then years ago though, it was like, if you had a mindset coach or you had a life coach, everybody was like, that's fake. Why do you have a life coach? Um, so yeah, no things definitely, <laughs> definitely change. So trends, it's funny because it's not like real. Exactly. Cause it's not discounting anybody who does that. Cause there are people who do it really no. well. Yeah. Um, and that kind of goes to the accessibility of medium. Um, so I feel like design has sort of seen and animation in particular has seen as soon as it became accessible, then there was just like this mass explosion of a lot of bad design because yeah. everybody was now a designer. Same with photography yeah. <laughs> and everybody's an animator. Everyone's mm. like photographer. Everyone can do this now. Um, yep. Which is sort of unnecessary in order to evolve. Um, Cause it's like that accessibility gives a lot of pros and cons. Like in the short term, it's super annoying. And you're just like, you know, if, yeah. as someone who studied hard in that field, you're, it's yeah. just, aggravating because you're like oh my god everybody's a photographer now everyone's a yep. designer now um everybody's but business coach. <laughs> exactly everyone's a life coach now yep but you know 10 years after the fact of sort of like a design explosion here mm. it's beautiful because now you have people who built careers with no formal education that design better than i have ever yeah um, you know that pushed those constraints and those same people who were really good at self-constraining and saying, yeah. I want to advance and learn in this. And yeah, exactly. From that same boom of a bunch of bad design mm -hmm. and a bunch of bad design that they probably partook in. Yeah. Um, I probably partook in as well. Great design happens. Well, it's, it's that trial and error kind of thing. Like, so I own a luxury rum cake business outside of my business coaching that I've done for the past now four years. But I started in kind of the baking world at 16 when I managed a bakery. Like when I first started like decorating cakes and I first started working and baking just in general, oh man, it was bad. <laughs> like it was just horrible. But now like as you go through that trial and error and as you learn more about the craft and you learn more tips and tricks about the trade, like it's turned into something like the second anybody even tastes my cake, like I'm getting messages out the wazoo like, oh my gosh, this is the best cake I've ever had in my entire life. And like, it's nothing short of that every single time now. And I think it's the same with any kind of craft or any kind of field. The longer you're in it, the more you're able to grow in it, the more challenges that you have in it, the more challenges that you overcome in it, the better you get at it. So even if you don't have that like formal education, like I never went to culinary school, I never went to baking school. Um, or pastry school, so. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the biggest point that I'm trying to get across with that is, especially if it's a, happening to a field that you're really educated in, um, it's really easy to get defensive. It's really easy to sort of um, close the door or close off anybody who's just now starting because it's now yeah. easily accessible because anybody can have creative cloud because anybody can grab camera. Yeah. Um, anyone can open Toon Boom and start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an animation software um, that my significant other uses. But yeah, it's like really easy to close yourself off from that expansion of it. Yeah. And the only thing you're really doing with that is closing yourself off from opportunity and people yeah. who challenge the way you think. And I think it's incredibly important to put yourself in that and put yourself 
next to people you would normally be a little bit pretentious about and say like, they're just, you know, there's so much to learn. <laughs> yeah. Um, and instead say they have so much to learn and I can either help them and yeah. learn with them. Yeah. Or I can walk away from this pretending I'm better. And then in five years time, they might not even, sometimes it's like a year's time. They might surpass me completely. And I will have severed that connection and not have learned with them. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things. And I think I saw this on like a LinkedIn article, more and more people right now are leaning more towards business coaches that are younger than older because they bring in that new perspective. So like when I meet somebody who's a new business coach um, or in the entrepreneurship world or um, in any world like that, and they're just getting started, like they're bringing in a very fresh new perspective on everything because they're learning everything. Like they're trying to take everything in and they're learning so much. And they have, like you said, they have so much to learn, which means that they have a new perspective on everything that they are learning. So you can be a part of that opportunity to hear them out and be like, Hey, okay. So what's your take on this? Like, what do you think about this? And then kind of even posing more questions to help them learn, but also you gain a new perspective on what's up and coming even potentially because those people that are coming in after us, like, they're one day going to either potentially be bigger than us or they're going to be at our same level um, or they're going to be doing it longer than we do. And we move on to something different, but they have a new perspective on the whole general world and what we're working in. And it'd be really kind of honestly foolish not to listen to them and to learn their perspective and to kind of either help coach them through it or learn with them. Like you just said. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's, there's so much beauty in just like learning with people that are, yeah so new to something. Um, and that, that brings me back to like sort of that growth mindset is it's really important to just be uncomfortable and be comfortable with being uncomfortable every Mm -hmm. single day and valuing that as growth. Cause I think it's really easy to fall into that and be like, I'm comfortable. I'm doing poorly at this. Um, let me retreat. Yeah. Instead of being like, I'm really uncomfortable. Um, you know, I hate this, Yeah. but tomorrow maybe I'll be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And then that takes me back to sort of leadership and growth mindset. Yeah. Um, one of the most important things that I realized was important to communicate. Oh my God. Important, important, important. Um, <laughs> one thing that I realized was really important to communicate to all of my team members and especially people who came in being very new mm-hmm. uh, that sort of like helped them put themselves in a growth mindset. Yeah. Is so um, I have an apprentice now and cool. we had like a monumental connection um, almost immediately. She's amazing, but she had always sort of limited herself, um, yeah. especially in the beginning until one day I was like, no, when you leave here, when you're done, I want you to be my colleague, my peer, my equal and someone that I can look to for advice. Yeah. Um, and that just like a put me on a level that was approachable to her. And then be opened her up to being like, oh, wow, I can be valuable. I can yeah. grow exponentially from where I'm starting to where I'm finishing. Um, and yeah. I think it's so important for leaders to instill that value in their teams. It's not that yeah. I'm always going to be your superior. I don't want to. I want to help you grow to be my superior, to be my yeah. equal, to be, you I know, love that. a peer. Yeah. Well, I think that, and, and that's so crazy. Uh, now that you're kind of mentioning it, like I'm thinking about it. So many people, especially in in the business coaching world, 
like my whole goal when I'm coaching somebody is for them not to need me. Exactly. Right. Like as a coach, like if I'm doing my job properly, you don't need me at a certain point. And that's what we're coaching to do is to get to where you don't need me. You already have all the systems and processes in place in order to grow, in order to accept new growth, in order to advance into new growth, um, life-wise and in business. But if like you're always dependent upon me, like I'm not doing my job right. But I think a lot of experts and people always want to be the smartest person in the room or the person that everybody always looks up to. Like there's a time and place for that. Absolutely. But I think it's really important. Like you just kind of said, is like you want them to be your equal or for you to be able to bounce ideas off of them as an equal and get advice from them, not just you always having to kind of give the advice. So, exactly. and I think that's yeah. so important for growth within companies and, and in leadership and building yeah. a team. Um, you don't want to have a team where everyone always either puts you on a pedestal and yeah. thinks, okay, this is the greatest level of achievement that limits yeah. your entire company. That limits your entire team. Yes, um, it does. You want people to see that there are things past you. They can grow things past you. And also you can grow. Yeah. You can keep advancing with them and you all grow together. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, Especially in design, um, a lot of great minds get put on pedestals in ways that I think really hurt and limit the growth of the people around them. They might yeah. keep growing, but the people around them and their teams may sort of feel like that's the only place they can go or they can't challenge that sort of leadership. Yeah. And I just think that's totally counterproductive. Especially, oh, it is super counterproductive. Exactly. Especially in any kind of field that involves a lot of ideation, yeah. involves putting really crazy, dumb ideas out there that can roll into and snowball into an amazing idea. Yeah. Well, it has to be kind of like a conflict positive um, environment because like with you just said, like with an environment that people have to throw crazy ideas out there, like I know for me personally, like I've experienced companies and teams where it's not a conflict positive. So like when ideas need to be thrown out, like everybody's super hesitant to throw out ideas because they're worried about conflict or like stepping on somebody's toes or like going above somebody's head with an idea. Right. But exactly. it's like those right types of environments down. that that's really crucial to have that. Yeah, exactly. Even just like looking silly. Like I feel like that's, especially when you introduce um, like design thinking processes to people who aren't used to that, who are very yeah. analytical. Um, there's always that hesitation. That's just like, Oh, but am I going to look silly in front of my peers? Yeah. And um, I think that the funnest, the funnest, um, the best it's a example, word. It's a word. Really? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it one. Okay. So the funnest example <laughs> that I've, um, ever seen with something like that was it was a really simple issue. So in some small city in Alaska, and I'm going to butcher this and forget half the details, but in some small city in Alaska, they had a yearly problem. Every time it would freeze over their, um, their phone lines, electric lines would freeze. It yeah. would cut off everything to this small town that just made it impossible to live and work. So wow. they're trying to solve this problem and they're trying to, you know, Think of all these solutions. They're all so expensive. They're all, you know, the very typical solutions that you would see, you know, how do we, you know, code it in this or do that or bury everything underground. Um, and just like it just kept coming up where people were just regurgitating their same answers. So then finally they said, okay, let's, let's just put everything out there, write it down on sticky notes, put it on the wall. Doesn't matter. No one, you don't have to put your name to it. Just yeah. put 
out there. And it became this sort of snowball of sillier and sillier ideas until somebody had put up, okay, what if we cover the poles in honey and bears just itch their back on it and shake off the snow before it freezes over and ices. Um, it's like the silliest idea ever. That's awesome. (laughs) Right? But what that idea snowballed into was like, oh my God, they're absolutely right. We don't have to worry about getting rid of the ice once it's frozen. We just have to stop it from being frozen. Yeah. The solution to that problem was just every year after a heavy snowfall, before it had a chance to melt and freeze, a helicopter would just fly through. Would fly through and shake off all the snow. Yeah. And that was it. So it saved hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, yes, helicopters aren't super cheap, but this was a town that... Way cheaper than anything else. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, that needed this. This was vital to their livelihood. Um, You know, hospital needs electricity. Yeah. But it was rubbing honey and having bears come and shake off the snow was the idea that sparked a real idea. And I think that's... So important to open yourself up to that and just say, hey, it's just about brainstorming. There are no dumb ideas as long as you keep moving forward. I love that. I love that. Um, Yeah, no, that story, that is so cool. Um, So in closing, though, I I wanted the quote that you had kind of said in our um, previous conversation when we were talking about the podcast, the skills you have only matter as much as you know how to adapt and apply them. Um, I think that is so, so crucial. Like you just had kind of told in that story, you know, they threw out a whole bunch of ideas and then they were able to adapt that into actually something that worked. So, and then they were able to apply it and to really get it to work. Um, So in kind of closing, what is some advice or talking about that quote that you, uh, that I just read off? um, What what is something that you would love to tell the people that are listening to this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's going to sound a little disconnected, but if you lead every skill you have with empathy first, Mm -hmm. that will allow you to always be cognizant on how you can adapt and apply them. Um, So you can have wonderful technical hard skills, but being able to have soft skills, especially empathy and communication, allows you to know how those skills are needed. So architecture, for example, um, I had a lot of technical skills with that. I had a lot of design thinking skills with that and being able to just listen and say, you know, here's someone say, I just need to be able to communicate with my market, my team, my anything, um, allows you to take, okay, well, you know, that's just the design thinking process. Now we're not talking about buildings. Now we're just talking about, now we're just talking about ideas. Um, so I think as long as you lead empathy first, and listen with purpose, it's going to be so much easier to rethink your own skills and adapt yeah. and apply those in any way that you need. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Paola, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, y'all. I hope y'all got some amazing, amazing value from this podcast. If you did, make sure to screenshot this, post it up on your social media, tag us at TTD, TLF, like I said, it's going to be in the description box if you need a reference. Um, All of Paola's information is also going to be in the description, so make sure to go check her out. Make sure to go follow her, Um, and then my stuff will be down there as well if you want to learn more about the Today's Today mission. Hope you all have a phenomenal, phenomenal day, and we love each and every single one of you, and thank you so much for joining us.